Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing. Hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. All right. Hello. My name is Lauren Heath. The Entrepreneur, and I am sitting in for Josh Carey today on the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. And I am here with Katie Irving today. How are you doing, Katie? Hi, I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm super, super excited to have you on the show today and to learn more about you. I know you have such an interesting, powerful story, and I'm just super excited to dive right into that. Yeah, me too. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So tell us, you know, I know that you are the founder of Moonshot, uh, an agency that drives youth, or that drives growth for the world's leading brands by uncovering opportunities at the center of youth, culture, and fashion. So I know that you are really heavily involved in, you know, youth, culture, and fashion, but, you know, let's take a step back for a minute. It sounds like Moonshot is relatively new. So what made you start your own agency? And like, how did you get to the point where you, you know, wanted to start your own agency? Yeah. So, um, you know, I am an entrepreneur now, but like you said, that was not always the case. So, um, you know, originally I grew up in Nashville, born and raised. And then um, when I was 18, I moved to London to study fashion. So I did my whole undergrad and master's in London, which was just the most incredible experience. And um, I've worked in the fashion industry for about 15 years. And I spent most of that time in the corporate world, kind of working for different youth brands. I worked in London and Paris and New York, also in Ohio for a long time. And really the focus was around kind of trend forecasting and strategy and insight for youth brands. But a few years ago, I just started to feel sort of unfulfilled by this career, you know, and I had climbed the corporate ladder really hard and suddenly just sort of felt like my career was owning me and it had just evolved into something different than I had originally planned. So I was just not thriving in that corporate system. I also started to see a lot of issues with the fashion industry as a whole. I mean, I think things that we're pretty well aware of now, but issues around ethics and kind of human and planetary costs, I just started to feel kind of icky about, you know, my role within this huge machine. And I sort of, you know, hit a level of burnout and I just couldn't seem to move past it. So I knew I need to make some changes kind of personally, professionally, and made the tough, really tough decision to leave steady jobs, stable income, uh, which, you know, cut our household income in half at the time. And I took a little bit of time off and just tried to reconnect with kind of who I am as a creative and a wife and a mother. I just spent a whole summer with my daughter, which was amazing. And then, um, then I jumped back into to working and really crafting kind of a new career um, that was more about um, being purpose-led in what I do. And then, you know, the thing that has been most important to me, I think, is because I felt sort of disillusioned with the fashion industry for a while. But instead of choosing to walk away, you know, I have all these skills and all this experience, and I, I knew I had the ability to actually help brands 
navigate a lot of change and help them do better. And so that's what I decided to do. I decided to come back and, um, you know, that's where, you know, I did consulting and then that evolved into Moonshot. And it's really just about helping push the industry forward and helping brands um, do be more ethical, sustainable, inclusive. So, yeah, that's me. That's what I'm up to. I love that you, you know, obviously you've been so invested in this industry for a while. You know, you said that you moved to London 18 years old. So I love that you, you know, are so invested and instead of walking away, you're like, okay, how do I take a different look at this and make it better and make a positive impact? Like that's a beautiful thing. I love that. You talked about being purpose-led. Tell me more about what that means to you. I think it means really about, you know, there's things about the the fashion industry and especially because I spent so much of my career as a trend forecaster. And so I really kind of understand where a lot of these trends come from. And I understand a lot of the marketing messages, how for a long time in fashion, it's been predicated on ideas of, you know, scarcity or making people feel less than, and, and I just felt super icky about that. So, you know, for me, a big part of it is, you know, I, you know, as I've grown and, you know, grown in my life. I just have a different perspective on things. I have a daughter now who's a tween and I just really, you know, I care a lot about the messages that she hears. And so for me, being purpose-led is really about helping brands do better and helping them connect with customers in a way that is, that is a good transaction for everybody involved. You know, I want everybody to win in these situations. So that that's what purpose-led means to me. I love that you talked about your daughter. It sounds like your daughter, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like she is almost like the target age of like some of the brands that you've worked with in the past. I know that you, you know, talked a lot about, you know, youth culture and, um, and like Gen Z. What do you think things will be like, you know, for her? Like if, you know, more people like you are able to, you know, really make this positive impact on the fashion industry and just, you know, it's just culture in general. What do you think like things will be like for her in like five, 10 years? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, so, so much of my research is centered around Gen Alpha and Gen Z. So my daughter's a Gen Alpha. And the interesting thing about these youth generations that is different, you know, Gen Z was, is like this a little bit, but it's different to what came before and that they are so empowered And they are really, they hold a lot of the power and they hold all the cards. And that's a new thing for the fashion industry. It's a new thing for any brand trying to work with younger customers. So, um, you know, instead of the power going from kind of brand to customer, like it's done for years, it's really all about understanding the values of these younger customers and then sort of helping brands become part of their culture and find ways to support them in really positive ways. So, you know, things are going to change a lot because of the values of these new customers, like they care a lot about ethics. They care a lot about sustainability. They care a lot about being inclusive and um, diversity. And so these, these are amazing values to have. They're, they're helping that become baseline for the industry. So those are just some of the big changes that are, I think are happening and they're, and they're really positive changes. So what I love about what I do is that it's a win-win because when brands understand how to connect with these customers, obviously they built that relationship and it helps that grow. But then also along the way, they're operating in a way that is more ethical. And so, you know, it's a situation that's a good thing for everybody. It sounds like it's almost taking like, you know, parts of like who we are as human and integrating them into 
you know, advertising and, and how we run our businesses. So when you were talking, what kind of came to mind for me is like, I know scrolling on like Facebook or Instagram, you know, we see ads, of course, and some ads that I've seen lately that I've really stuck out to me are, you know, like maybe different like underwear companies or something like that. And instead of showing, you know, like Victoria's Secret type models, they have, you know, women with like cellulite and stretch marks. And I think I even saw um, someone with, uh, you know, certain like medical equipment that they were wearing. And it's like that, you know, if you read the comments, like people are, it's just blowing up because, you know, the underwear probably wasn't any greater than anything else, but it was the messaging and the, um, you know, the values that I feel like were being shown. So I totally hear you. And I think that's just, I think it says a lot about the direction that we're going. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think it's, you know, I think the definition of of aspiration has changed because marketing for such a long time had this very narrow definition of of what was considered aspirational for consumers. And I think that that was really damaging in in a lot of ways. I mean, I was a teenager in the late 90s, early 2000s. I mean, that was a rough time to be a teenager because there was like a very narrow definition of of what women should look like. And um, I mean, I didn't fit that bill. So that was tough. And so I, I definitely feel like brands have a responsibility now to reflect culture back and be a part of it in a way so that they're reflecting really the full range. So, you know, that means showing more diversity, being more inclusive, like making sure that people can see themselves in the brand. And I think opening up what that brand vision looks like too. Mm. Mm. I love that you said brands have a responsibility. So, you know, obviously larger brands, you know, have these budgets and, you know, the ability to strategize and do all these, you know, things on kind of a larger scale. What about smaller brands? You know, do they have the same kind of responsibilities? And, you know, how does that maybe differ, you know, someone like Abercrombie or something like that compared to maybe like, you know, a local boutique, you know, down the street? Yeah, that's interesting. It's a lot of the newer, smaller brands that are really leading the way. And I think that's what we've seen happen over the last few years. So um, just to, to name check a few brands, the big favorite, they're one that's all about circular fashion and they are truly circular and they're doing circularity within, you know, t-shirts and underwear, which traditionally has been a huge hurdle for recycling and, and um, circularity. So they're doing a great job. Brands like Girlfriend Collective, they just launched a gender neutral line and, you know, they deal with recycled materials also. So I, you know, personally, as I'm looking for case studies and I'm looking for brands who are leading the way, I'm seeing these smaller brands that are nimble. And I think the other advantage they have is that they're really connected to their customer base. Mm -hmm. And so they move with them. They have this great ecosystem built up where they're having conversations and they understand the, the mindset and the culture they're customer and they're responding to that in really incredible ways. That makes so much sense. It sounds like they're almost maybe not setting the trends, but they're definitely leading by example in a way. Yeah, exactly. I love that. So I saw, I was looking at your Instagram and I saw you were buying no new clothes in 2021. (laughs) Tell us more about that. Well, it's been a long year so far. It, this is tough. I'm not going to lie. Um, so I mentioned circularity, like that is my big research focus right now, because that is the main opportunity for brands, especially for brands that want to connect with youth customers. And just for anyone not in the industry to kind of give cliff notes on that circularity is all about designing for zero waste.
waste. So there's a lot of ways to do that, but especially within the youth market, that looks like resale, um, vintage, rental, recycled garments. Like So those are all um, different examples of circularity. And so I, you know, as I was researching this, what I was most interested in was where are the holes from the customer point of view within this? And, and you know, what, what are the challenges there and kind of hurdles that brands need to get over? Because there's the mechanical side of production. I think we understand those challenges. We have a lot of amazing people in the industry working on solving those. But I think what we don't understand so well is that customer journey, what it looks like to truly reduce your clothing consumption, you know, and then emotionally, what is that like? You know, I love clothing. I've always been a big purchaser of clothing. And so for me, you know, what I've noticed initially right off the bat is there's this emotional kind of like knee jerk reaction to wanting to shop sometimes, like sometimes when you feel insecure or if you have a big event coming up, you're, you know, you just decided that you need to buy a whole new outfit. And now I just have to be like, okay, like I don't need clothes. I need to like hang out for a minute and like sit with myself and just deal with an uncomfortable emotion. And so, you know, I know that sounds maybe sort of abstract, but I think it's important for brands to understand that emotional side of shopping and how they can support, you know, less consumption. And I'm not talking about necessarily, you know, brands not being able to grow, but I think it's about being careful about, you know, what we're producing, the quality we're producing and trying to help foster this idea of buying less, but better garments. And yeah, so I thought the best way to do it would be to just live it myself. And it's interesting. Yeah, it's been good. And I have a lot of vintage. I'm a huge vintage shopper. So I've been putting together outfits from my vintage collection, which has been fun. Hey there, entrepreneurs. Eric Cabral here, founder of On Air Brands and host of the Entrepreneur Circle and Capital Hacking. I wanted to share something truly unique with you that we've created called Pod Max, which is an amazing opportunity to connect you with major podcasts to help you share your fascinating stories with their communities. This unique invitation-only event includes interviews with you on top-rated business podcasts all in one day. It also provides a unique networking opportunity with high-performance guests and thought leaders who are authors, coaches and consultants, investors, speakers, executives, you name it. These are the type of people that you need to be around. We also provide industry expert keynotes to hit our stage to share insights on podcasting, investing, marketing to help you take things to the next level. And the cool thing about Podmax is that it has a multimedia agency engine behind it with on-air brands to provide social media promotions before and after the event to share your brand new shows with your network. So hit the apply now button at podmax.co and I hope to see you at the next Podmax event. That's awesome. It sounds like you get to kind of tap more into your creative side in a way. Like, okay, I have this. How can I make it new again? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I love that. So you talked about, you know, brands, you know, putting themselves in the shoes of their consumers. You know, that's empathy, right? Is being able to, you know, relate and understand what someone else is going through. Tell us more about, you know, empathy and how, you know, how is that relevant in the, the fashion industry and how is that relevant in business, do you think? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, empathy is one of the things that I feel like as I look back at my career, it's sort of been a common thread all the way through. And it's not one of those things that I realized until, you know, I've been working for, for more than 15 years in the industry now, but now as I look back and I see the projects that I worked on and the choices that I've made, it's really been driven by, 
just this, you know, I've always considered myself a very empathetic person. And I feel like that's sort of one of my superpowers is being able to kind of put myself in other people's shoes and understand their positions. And I think, you know, as a trend forecaster for years, it's what made me good at that job and able to connect with that because I am able to understand customer groups and also sort of understand decisions that they're going to make over time and kind of how they're going to evolve. So, you know, empathy means a lot because I think um, it helps me do a lot of qualitative research, which is a big part of what Moonshot does. And then it, it also helps even take, you know, large sets of data, which is, you know, which is huge revolution for the industry, but look at that data in a way that's different to other, that other people might analyze it. And I think that's been a huge difference for brands that I've worked with. And a lot of brands, I think they're still trying to figure out what to do with all this data. And what I've learned is, you know, bringing that empathetic touch to it, really coming to it from the qualitative point of view and blending that all together. It's, it's honestly the game changer. Like it has created some incredible ideas that really resonate with the customer because um, it really helps you get inside their mind and really understand their culture, you know, what their fears are, what they love. And all that is so important when you're designing for a customer. I love that. (laughs) I think it's so easy, you know, at least by myself as, you know, a business owner in the past, you know, just looking at those data as a number and being like, okay, how do we reach our numbers? How do we reach our goals? And it's like, I don't know, I think for someone who's more strategic and literal, they, you know, where we can be so focused on that and take, you know, just kind of remove the whole human part of everything. But it's like you said, that blend of empathy and looking at why people make these decisions with the data that gives us this whole overarching picture. I feel like, and I love to know what you think about this. I feel like people are starting to really understand that more in the past, like couple years or so, I think people are starting to talk more about emotional intelligence and empathy and realizing that it actually is a big, important part of business and that it does actually help us grow. What do you think about that? Yeah, I totally agree. I have definitely seen a huge shift towards that. And I think brands are realizing that, you know, authenticity is what people are looking for now. And the best way to engage in that is when you understand your customer and their lifestyle, you can engage in empathy. You can support them in their struggles. You can, you know, celebrate their wins. But I think, you know, it all has to do with that customer relationship and also with that ability to be transparent and open with them. I love it. I love it. I love it. So I know that, you know, I saw, saw that you're like on Clubhouse and you're, you know, chatting and hosting these um, chats about like youth culture and fashion. You know, there's so many social apps and platforms out there. And I know that you really help people uncover different opportunities and drive growth. And you help, again, like you're a trendsetter. So how do you stay in the loop? Like, how do you know, like what's trending or what's coming next? Like, how do you, how do you have that foresight? Yeah. So a huge part of my job is research. And so, you know, whenever I'm planning out my, you know, months, kind of weeks in advance and kind of figuring out what I'm going to do, I I block out time and I have this huge roster of different sources that I go to for research. Um, But my favorite ones currently, you mentioned Clubhouse. That's a great one. So I I host a room on there every Thursday, a, a weekly power hour for youth culture and fashion. 
And um, that has been such a fun room to host. And we've had just incredible conversations. We've got a, you know another cr- incredible one coming up next week. We're talking about how Gen Z is redefining luxury. So just really cool niche conversations. But the other thing that's great about Clubhouse is that it gives me the ability to just sit in on rooms and um, understand use culture. I've been invited in through a few universities to kind of sit in and talk with students and ask them questions. So, you know, for someone who I used to do a lot of in-person focus groups, which has obviously not been possible for a little while, but Clubhouse has has sort of given that opportunity back again in a very unfiltered way. And so that helps me stay connected with the core customers that I'm reaching. And then social media is a gift to every trend forecaster and anyone that wants to understand what their customer's up to, because there's just so much content. I mean, they're an open book, Gen Z. And uh, so I spend a lot of time, you know, scrolling through different social media, looking what's trending, looking at different creators. And that's just, and you know, so all connecting all the dots between these different sources, is sort of how I create the landscape and kind of understand that. I love it. Why, you know, what is it about, you know, youth culture and like Gen Z and Gen Alpha that you are so like drawn to? Like you seem so passionate about, you know, really understanding this particular group of people and being able to serve them and, you know, meet them where they're at. So, you know, why, like what's, what draws you there? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question because it's certainly not where I thought where my career was going to end up. So I started working in luxury fashion. That was always my dream. I mean, literally since I can remember, that was my dream. And I started my career working at Chloe in Paris with Phoebe Philo. And I was like, this is my thing. This is what I love. And then I got recruited um, to work more in kind of teen retail a few years into my career. And it was a really interesting position. So I took the job and that really changed the trajectory of my career after that. I had a chance to work with kids brands, which again was not necessarily something that I had planned, but it was such a great opportunity. And then I just fell in love with that corner of the market. And what I love about youth customers is they're so progressive. They are so far ahead. So you know, if you want to work on really fun projects that are truly industry leading, I mean, youth brands is where to make an impact and where to do that. So that's what I love. And I think that especially when you are talking about children's where I think for a long time, people sort of discounted that in the fashion industry or, or didn't take it as seriously as they could. And I'm like, this is like the best kept secret ever because it, it's just so much fun and kids are awesome. So, you know, and I think alongside that, I'm a mom, like you mentioned, you know, when I started working with children's brand, my daughter was just about the age where she could start wearing those clothes. So that was a fun connection for me. I have lots of anecdotal research, my, my little focus group at home all the time that I'm getting information (laughs) from, but I think just as a mom, I really connect with, with that age group. And I care a lot about, you know, how they're marketed to and designed for. So yeah, that's my connection. Mm. I love that. I know that, you know, growing up, I didn't have, um, definitely, well, first of all, I was not fashionable by any means. <laughs> so that, that wasn't something that I kind of like was surrounded with, but I know my mom was very, very aware of, you know, the messaging. And, and like you said earlier, you know, it was like a harder time to, to grow up, you know, with all these magazines and then, you know, the internet, you know, I started getting access to that and seeing things there. And so my mom was very protective of these messages that I was, you know, 
receiving and, and, and exposed to. So, you know, for those, you know, that are moms or, or dads, you know, parents that, you know, have children who are, are younger, you know, what do you think, like, what's, what's a way that parents can try to, you know, protect them and, and have them maybe ex- be exposed to maybe these more positive messages that, that you are helping to create? Like, what can people do as parents to try to help shape their children um, in a positive way? Yeah, that's a great question. We talk about this a lot in our house and where, you know, our daughter is, she loves YouTube. She's always watching kids videos on YouTube. And I think for us, what we've discovered is just a ton of communication and we are just, we know exactly what she's watching and looking at. We know what YouTube influencers she's interested in. And so we just really keep the communication open about the type of content they create. We also help her realize you know, my husband and I both, he's a creative director. So we both work within the creative fields. Like he works in marketing. And so we understand sort of the backstory of how a lot of this content gets produced. And so we help her understand and sort of demystify what's going on. And we just try to keep it real for her. And we, and, you know, so that's a big part of it for us. And then the other thing is just, we just try to instill in her that like human connection, like one-to-one connection, being with her friends is always going to be the most important and social media is one thing, but there's a lot of things that are fake about that or things that are bad. So we talk a lot about that. I mean, you know, my husband and I grew up with zero social media, you know, we didn't even have computers in college. We're like that last era that was sort of there. So we remember, we talked to her a lot about what it was like to, you know, sit by a landline and wait for your friends to call and but just how important it is to maintain connection in that sense. So yeah, that's a big focus for us, but it's hard. I mean, I'm not going to lie as a parent, like this is, we're navigating new territory and um, yeah, it's, it's tough and, and something that we continue to talk about a lot and keep an eye on. I love that. I appreciate how, how open you are and that communication is so important in your family. I think that's great. So, you know, for those who, you know, want to really, as brands, figure out, you know, what the future holds, you know, what kind of advice or do you have any resources or, or tips or anything for brands that really want to be more, you know, progressive and aware and bring the empathy into things? Like what, what advice do you have for them? Yeah. So Moonshot just released a report called New Genesis and um, you can access it on from our Instagram. So it's um, at the Moonshot Agency. You can go to the link in bio and download this report. And this report is all about the five actions that brands need to take to navigate the next decade and to really continue to grow and thrive in the next decade. And it really covers topics from the fact that, you know, Gen Alpha will start to age into the teen market in the next three years. So we've talked about Gen Z for a long time, but now Gen Alpha is really going to start to dominate the conversation. So it's very much about what they're going to bring with them, the new values that they're bringing along and how brands can kind of stay with them. And also talks about just this need for balancing the quadruple bottom line. So people, planet, purpose, profit, and what that looks like for brands. It talks about how important connection is and even goes into these ideas of like the metaverse and how we're going to see this seamless blending of digital, physical, virtual, 
you know, Bitcoin, this whole new um, economy and universe that's opening up, that's going to be such a big part of, of youth customers' lives. And that's all been accelerated by the pandemic. They're living in these virtual worlds now. So yeah, there's a ton of stuff. It's a cool peek into the future and it's a really, but you know, at the end of each chapter, there's like clear action points that will help that brands can take to like continue to evolve and continue to kind of change their focus as they move along. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And and thank you so much for being here today. It was a pleasure chatting with you. We really appreciate you being a guest on today's show and you've shared your social with us, which is awesome. Um, where else can we find you online? Um, so our website is the moonshot agency.co. And, um, so you can also download the report there and then, um, we have an insight section, um, but the best place to connect with us is on Instagram. So we have lots of cool content coming up. We're going to be posting lots of interviews soon. And, um, but the Instagram is our hub for all of our cool stuff that we're doing. So follow along there if you'd like to stay in the loop. Awesome. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you being here today, Katie. Have a thank great day. You so- thank you. This was awesome. It was great to talk to you. Have a great day. Thanks all. See you next time. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time.